0: your future look like? The job you do today could be different than the jobs of tomorrow. Some see this as a challenge. At UCF, we see opportunity. A chance for you to grow your knowledge and strengthen your skills from anywhere life might take you. With in-demand degree programs and resources for your success, UCF Online can help you prepare for the future and all the possibilities that come with it. From the University of Central Florida's Center for Distributed Learning, I'm Kelvin Thompson, and I'm Tom Cavanaugh, and you're listening to TopCast, the teaching online podcast. Hi, Tom. Hi, Kelvin. This is weird, right?
1: It's a little weird. So we ought to describe the uh, the scene for uh, the listening audience. Usually, we're in the bunker, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. So what's
0: different this time? We're not in the bunker <laughs> That's true. We're in our own two different uh remote work, in my case, home locations uh, yeah home for me too. i'm in the
1: we have a little bonus room over our garage. It's sort of a you know the equivalent of a Florida basement because if you had a basement in Florida it would, it would fill up with water yeah so yeah um, they're they're above the garage, and so it's a little space I share with the cats
0: hmm.
1: So you're basically recording from the attic? Basically, yeah.
0: (laughs) That's true. (laughs) The equivalent of a Florida attic. And and speaking of the Florida-specific architecture, I'm in our Florida room, as we say, kind of a bonus room, enclosed, um, open, uh, well-lit kind of a a room. It makes me happy. It's a happy place. Lots of daylight. I like that. Um, So, yes... And, and we're doing this because we're in this remote work status because of the ongoing COVID-19 coronavirus here in 2020. If you happen to be time traveling through podcasting and listening to this at some later date, this is a little time capsule for you.
1: Yeah, it's very bizarre. Bizarre times we are living in. Um, uh, one comment about the most recent episode that aired, it was uh, the, the interview with uh, Tammy Powell. That was recorded mm-hmm. before all of this hit. So yep. if you did listen to it and wonder, why are they not talking about this? Yep. Because nobody was talking about this at the time we recorded it. That's how quickly things have moved. Um, yep. it's, it's crazy. So before we get into all of that, we ought we to look in the thermos.
0: Yeah. Well, so um, I did put coffee in the thermos today, but uh, since we're in two different home locations. It is uh, BYOC today, Tom. Bring your own coffee. So I have coffee in the thermos, which I poured for myself in my my little mug here. So I'm drinking uh, some leftover Oxford blend from the roaster with my favorite uh, web address ever, drinklings.coffee. What are you drinking? (laughs)
1: Uh, you would you would be ashamed of me, Kelvin. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, well, I do typically every morning. So this is a uh, you know a little attempt at normalcy in these crazy non-normal times. Um, I usually have a you know like a, a K cup. We have a Keurig, and mm-hmm. we've got these nice kind of um, biodegradable K cups that we order online, so they're kind of cool.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I have one <laughs> that's flavored like sort of a hazelnut that I typically drink, and then I have like a decaf. And mm-hmm. I combined them. So Half I made calf. this mongrel coffee, and then I put <laughs> hazelnut creamer in it just to make you extra happy.
0: <laughs> mongrel coffee with hazelnut creamer. Yeah. yeah. And Tom I'm in his, it his native thing. habitat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sure. All right. Well. It's good. Yeah. I, I'm sure it is. It tastes like hazelnut. It. The decaf
1: is uh, for my... <laughs> to keep me from having heart palpitations if I drink too much coffee. Yeah, um, I, and I gotcha. it's a, a decaffeinated French roast, and it's uh, it's quite good. But also, we're trying to be you know environmentally conscious, so the, the oh, that's good. Kind of bi- biodegradable K cups. They have I like a little screen button. on them. They're not like uh, all plastic.
0: Oh, that's cool. I, I, I'll have to look into those. I, I noted the uh your use of the word biodegradable. Uh, so people don't beat up on you for the K-Cup thing. That's, that's good. Yeah, well, if I,
1: although, if, I mean, I won't say I never do, right? But, oh, okay. uh,
0: but, Not today. Um,
1: for these, yeah, I mean, the, we try to um, to be somewhat
0: conscious, I guess. I got you. Well, that's good. Well, if I might, I'll, um, I'll kind of put a button on the, the coffee connection, you know, that this coffee segment is very appropriate for today's episode because it typifies our current reality and the focus of today's episode. We're carrying on but doing things a bit differently in the face of the COVID-19 coronavirus. Yeah. So, uh, I think
1: um we are like a lot of schools in mm-hmm.
0: that um, you know, we're
1: uh, we're remote teaching and we yep. are remote uh working. Yep. And our students are remote learning and oh my gosh, uh what a disruption. Um yeah. maybe it might be worth a little a little brief timeline. Yep. Because the thing that has just struck me about this is just the pace, how quickly yeah. things have moved. Sure. Um, it was probably what was it? Not even two weeks ago we started thinking about this, like maybe something might happen. So we, you know, we we're recording this on March twentieth, and um, and oh my gosh, uh, yeah, it was less than two weeks ago when we said, you know what, something might happen. Mm-hmm. maybe we ought to build a website for faculty just in case mm-hmm. and um and then that that boulder crested the top of the hill and started picking up speed because it was it was uh shortly thereafter that uh, our board of governors made the decision i guess it was late uh last wednesday the the 11th and today's the 20th so it was, yeah, I know. it was late in the afternoon on, on the 11th it's when been a long, they said... It's been a
0: long month this, this I week. I know.
1: It, every day. <laughs> it's been crazy. I don't even know what day it is sometimes. Um, they said, you're going all online. Every university in Florida is going all online. And we happened to be on spring break last week. So our faculty weren't even
0: around. Which, which I think was a, was a boon for us, right? That, that spring break thing helped us a lot, I think.
1: It did, although I'm not sure the faculty would entirely agree because some of them weren't even here. Well, that's true. So the the direction was um it helped us sort of get up to speed quickly, but mm-hmm. um but you know there's a there's two sides to the coin. The direction from the state was that we needed to go completely online by the 18th. Well, actually the direction from the state was go online as soon as possible. We as a university said the 18th, which was mm-hmm. Wednesday. So basically we had 2 days after spring break to get everybody up to speed. And you know we had hundreds and hundreds of sections that were not online that right. needed to be put online. We had to expand a um, a an enterprise uh, video conferencing license that yep. was not at an enterprise level right. we uh, We had to get um, uh, everybody kind of uh, uh, organized on how we were going to handle support across the entire division because not everybody is responsible for support, but they are now and um and then we're we're literally 2 days into remote teaching yep. and learning and work, and working and uh, knock on wood so far so good i i've just been totally uh, amazed at how the staff has responded yeah. and stepped up um you know emails flying around at midnight and people in oh, the yeah. support thread that we've got in microsoft teams and i don't know it's it's just been um it's been stressful crazy and um Certainly not anything I would want, but I've also been uh, just really gratified at how the team has pulled together. I don't know if you had
0: any impressions on, on our first like, couple days of this. Yeah, I, I, uh, I agree with that. And um, again, to be clear, at the time of this recording, we are two days into it. It seems like we've been doing it for about a month or more. I know. But we're two days into it, uh, what we call Operation Keep Teaching here at uh, UCF. Uh, we found that phrase on uh, Indiana University's website, and, like a lot of institutions, it looks like, uh, really resonated with us. So keep, keep teaching, keep learning, keep, keep working." And uh, I guess just to comment on this that uh, we spoke about in episode 61, this this idea of teaching operations being disrupted, and that's become a reality. Um, as we've been disrupted by a global health crisis and our online tools and techniques have been enlisted to ensure instructional continuity. And so just to be clear about this, in this episode, and maybe maybe, at least uh, once a month in our episodes going forward, in the spirit of commiseration and carrying on, we thought we might share some of our experiences with remote teaching thus far, the good and the bad, and uh, share also some of the experiences of our colleagues with whom we've been interacting just to uh, help us keep focused on on moving forward and and staying sane and and, and hopefully improving a little bit. The plan right now is to keep going with our 2020 experiment of two episodes per month. Um, However, for as long as this whole remote teaching thing lasts, we'll probably uh, focus in the first episode of the month, that first Monday episode explicitly on some aspect of this remote teaching thing, and then on the middle of the month and the third Monday episodes we'll continue to feature our guest interviews. We'll probably comment uh, a little bit in our intro or wrap up, but we're gonna try to again have some sort of degree of normalcy in carrying on with the the, um, the broader topics uh, that are our general focus in this podcast. Because, you know, life goes on. So, in this first uh, episode in this little mini-series, we thought we might frame um, this kind of front lines of remote teaching uh, reflective report around some lessons learned principles on which we can comment with anecdotes from both our institution and um, those of, of others. So just that's all kind of a preamble if you don't mind. Yeah, makes sense. So where do you want to start? Well, um can I start with, I'll throw it out there, you're probably sick and tired of me saying this, but I just can't say it enough because I don't care if I make people sick and tired. Here's a <laughs> here's a principle that I want just, to just put out squarely. Don't confuse short-term online delivery of face-to-face classes with actual online teaching and don't let others conflate the two.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, totally agree. And uh, there have been, there've been some articles in the press about this. And certainly within our sphere, uh, and probably the same sphere of those who, who listen to this, there's been a lot of Twitter conversation about it. And um, you know, we, we totally agree that uh, what's happening now in most cases, so I mean, I described the timeline. In some cases, when faculty came back from spring break, they had two days yeah. to get, say, four classes up online. Give me a break! That you're going to have you know a, a super well thought out, pedagogically rich, interactive, you know, online course in two days. It, it, of course and, not, and do it. F- Four times, right? (laughs) Because that's what your vote is that semester. It's just not going to happen. No. So we have defaulted to the, um, here's a web conferencing platform. Here's how you use the LMS to do announcements and assignments and create discussions and just do the best you can. And if you need to just lecture during your normal Tuesday, Thursday, 10 o'clock in the morning time slot, do that. And just make sure you record it in case students can't make it for whatever reason. I I get it. That's not... Maybe what we would call the
0: absolute pinnacle of online learning. Yeah, no way. <laughs> but it ain't here. bad, right? Yeah, sure, sure. No, I, I agree with that. And you know, I, I like you. I've seen a lot of stuff on on Twitter. I still, I think I made a tweet on this this theme a couple of weeks ago, and I think it's like the the most viewed tweet I've ever made. I think. And you know, a lot of people would chime in on that. You know we we have our we have our little bit of snobbery tom now and again like you know there's some people who are like really into well we need better terminology and then some people are like well our field has well defined terminology we've talked before about hey our field we we have so many different names for things it it isn't that well defined but but sure there are journal articles and there are textbooks but you know what just because we have terms neatly defined in our inward facing insular Journal articles and textbooks don't expect the public or senior institutional leaders or government officials to get it. We have to, as we've talked about in yeah. past episodes here, we have to speak plainly about the differences between robust online teaching and learning and our current emergency practices. We need, we need language that communicates.
1: Well, and you've been really good. You've had much better sort of discipline about this than I have about, you know, referring to what we're doing now as remote delivery of instruction, which is the official terminology from the state and the university, as opposed to calling it online learning. Yeah. yeah. Some sort of differentiator, you know, between the two. And, and I do get my hackles up a little bit when I, when I see articles that are that are speculating with you know, well, this will be a great opportunity now to to just see if online learning really is any good. Like, no! no, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, I, th- that just infuriates me. It's like, no, this is a a great experiment, right? And there's probably very rich research opportunities in here. And and, and Patsy Moskal and I have actually talked about this, and she's working up some stuff right now yeah. to see what we can assess and evaluate. But not and, efficacy and research.
0: Not but not efficacy, efficacy research. Right.
1: No, no. It 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 and it, and I think to imply that this is well, this will definitely tell us one way or the other if this online learning thing is any good. Shows such ignorance. It's um yes. It it I think it just it it exposes the whoever is saying that as somebody who's really not in this world. It's the MOOC thing again on steroids. Yes, yes. I was thinking about MOOCs too. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I That's every, that was going to solve well. everything. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) it's something. (laughs) It's something. Um, Can I mention this one egregious example that we got from an anonymous top cast listener? Because I was just flabbergasted by it. Um, The listener isn't anonymous to us, but just to (laughs) protect the guilty, um, name an institution withheld. Uh, At this listener's institution, distance education personnel are not allowed to communicate directly with faculty. For fear yeah, that their efforts yeah. might actually influence faculty to maybe later, I don't know, teach online, quote unquote. As the listener says, quote, the result is that many faculty are unaware that we are able to get faculty free pro Zoom accounts, Canvas course shells, online workshops for these tools, etc. unquote. That's about the, the most ludicrous thing I've heard in the midst of all of this
1: yeah you shared that with me when it came in, and i was I was stunned. Um, it seems to be such a small minded uh, uh, trees instead of the forest approach that that i 've heard of in a long time and i I feel for that particular listener we uh, we uh, we're with you in spirit and wish there was something we could do, but I do think that 's crazy because I mean right here um, we 've got all kinds of policies and processes and procedures. And where it makes sense to stick to them mm-hmm, to ensure mm-hmm. a certain level of quality or rigor or to protect information security or something, because the last thing you need is to just try to be so accommodating you create a giant, you know, hole in your in your firewall or something. But mm-hmm. wherever we can be flexible, we have been flexible. We have done things at this university at a speed that um, that defies the normal bureaucracy, right? And we're, we're a pretty entrepreneurial sort of university, but man, oh man, that is a, I think a particularly egregious example of, um, of small mindedness in the face of, of what's really important.
0: So feel free to forward this podcast episode on to folks at your institution (laughs) who would benefit from hearing that from somebody else. Uh, you want to tackle the the next principle we've we've kind of uh, stepped into this a little bit, but there's probably more to say about it.
1: Yeah, so the idea is that um, you want to make sure that you have a as smooth a path as possible for faculty to do what 's easiest for them in the short term and I did sort of allude to that by saying mm-hmm. um, you know, we just we want to get faculty up and and productive mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. quickly as possible, so that they don't lose course momentum, their students don't lose momentum, as much as can be reasonably, you know, done. Um, whether that's um, you know putting content into the learning management system, assignments and uh, announcements, uh, discussions, um, making sure that you've got your gradebook set up um, and. And then, um, you know, integrating a like a web conferencing platform into that, so that um, you can do those those live or and or recorded lectures, you know, basically give the faculty uh, a set of tools, recognizing that that not every faculty is going to need every single tool in the mm-hmm. in the toolbox, and it's actually something I think we've struggled with a little bit here. We've tried to mm-hmm. to find the right balance, but. We do have a really uh, fantastic team and a, a pretty big toolbox for faculty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for faculty that haven't really used it before, to just mm-hmm. put up a website and say, here's all the stuff you can do is a little overwhelming. It's like being handed some professional um, you know, contractor's toolbox when you've never even hammered a nail before. And you, you right. wouldn't know what to do with, all oh, what's this thing, this level with the bubble in it? You know, you wouldn't know <laughs> what to do with it. So I do think um, having all those tools, avail- tools available, but, but giving faculty some guidance, take them by the hand yeah. a little bit and, and maybe, you know, ask them a few questions like, what are you trying to accomplish? And okay, then use this and, and don't worry about the rest of it right now. Just use yeah. this yeah. for a week or two and then you want to start layering in some complexity
0: we can talk. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right, and, and thinking about uh, as much as possible from the, the target faculty member, you know, non-online, past experience, faculty member's perspective, what's the most likely uh, sequence of events, right? And that influences the guidance. Like one of our instructional designers, John Rabel, early on said, well, it seems like faculty have to be able to provide some content, whether that's documents or video recording. They want to be able to give some tests. You want to be able to get stuff into the grade book. You know, how do we help them be real clear about that? And I think that's, there's some wisdom in that. Um, I, but I do think when you mention our real robust toolbox, uh, a shout out here to the institutions with far fewer resources than we have or that some others have. I have to say it's been extremely gratifying to me to see uh, a number of efforts to coordinate volunteer connection services between yeah. the non-online faculty and the instructional designers and instructional technologists in our field. The uh, one that comes to mind is the so-called uh, Instructional Designer Emergency Response Network. Um, is one of those. We'll, we'll link to that and maybe some others in the show notes. Uh, the connection form is really cool. It's just a little Google form, you know? You can sign up as someone who needs help or who can offer help, and, and there you go. And I've seen a number of efforts like that, which, which are just great. Yeah,
1: I agree. Um, okay, maybe we should, in the interest of time, move on to the uh, to the next principle. Yes, sir. Yeah, and uh, I'll go ahead and mention this one because I I did a little tweet about it on Wednesday. Uh-huh. I saw that. I saw and
0: that. And
1: this this might be my most. Engaged tweet i've ever had, you know, and I know some people <laughs> who listen to this have much bigger followings than than I do, but for me, i don 't know like as of this minute i 'm looking at it, I have a hundred and thirty three likes that's a lot yeah. for me yeah. I don't know if I've ever had that many and you know twenty eight or thirty retweets and things like that, so obviously this concept resonated with people, and that's you really cannot over communicate. In times of crisis yeah. um, i 've learned this personally because I have a tendency to just put my head down and do the work and expect everybody else's uh, i don 't particularly need a whole lot of validation, although you know I appreciate it uh, i 'm mm-hmm. not as extrinsically motivated maybe by that, but what I have found is that um, some people are, and it's really important, mm-hmm. especially when people are feeling uneasy. It's weird to be working from home right now. Mm-hmm. So the staff is is completely off balance. For students and faculty also, add into that student anxiety that is about as high as it can be right now. I mean, yeah. I've, I've been hearing anecdotes. I think you've seen some of the same ones I have of students who, you know, because of the everybody, you know, quarantining or self-isolating students have lost their jobs you know these people who were working yeah. in restaurants or movie theaters yeah. and now they don't know how they're gonna make rent and now yeah. they're being told oh by the way you need this webcam or something for your class and maybe they didn't have it we have cases of students who've left their their you know books in their in their dormitory my son is a is a sophomore at another state University and and he and his girlfriend drove over to, to the campus which is about an hour and a half from where we live right now because she had left her computer in the dormitory Mm -hmm. and she had Mm -hmm. to get it and and they're going to be online like we are for the rest Mm -hmm. of the Mm -hmm. semester Mm -hmm. and actually for into the summer if they take summer classes so it's I mean it's real Um, we we hear about students who are in other states who left their stuff um, and have have, uh, concerns about finances or are they sick or have a, fin- a family member who's sick. And mm-hmm. it's, it's tough. So one way to mitigate that is to just make sure that you, you over communicate, you reassure, keep the lines of communication open.
0: And that's at multiple levels, right? There's multiple audiences involved, multiple channels that are involved. I know you are constantly, it seems like to me from the outside looking in, in some conference call with uh, senior university leadership coordinating from there and within our division and and within the Center for Distributed Learning, and then, you know, with faculty, outward-facing uh, student uh, communications. We have workshops. We have email campaigns, LMS announcements, uh, meetings, video messages, um, individual personal emails and phone calls. I mean, all that stuff is is going on, and it could be overwhelming, but I think one of the things I've been paying attention to is is the wisdom of Unwavering direction is how I'm thinking of it, uh, balanced with the communication of new and relevant information. Yeah, and even from a more macro level, um,
1: like from the university level. So the university is trying to get some of our message out. And uh, like, as you know, yesterday morning, I was interviewed by literally every TV station (laughs) and several radio stations in town. Um, I was all over the news last night and I, and I think it's the university trying to say, um, look, um, the, the, the business of the university continues in a, but in a different way, we know how to do this, you know, it, it, don't worry. Um, unfortunately that story got quickly overshadowed by the fact that UCF Mm -hmm. announced we had our first COVID-19 case, a student uh, who's who's recovering, um, Right now, so um, you know, it, even so, you got to kind of keep communicating the
0: the good news uh, where possible and try to keep encouraging folks. That's right. No, that's right. And I guess this communication piece for me goes right into our last, I guess, uh, principle um, for for this conversation, uh, which really speaks to the the human dynamics involved here. Right? Don't allow. Your task focus to overshadow the needs and the fears of the people the humans involved in this whole process and that's a, a lesson that I think gets driven home uh, for me again and again and again yours is the that you can't over communicate me it's the you you can't focus enough on the the people part we're going to take care of the work you know we have great people the work's going to get done but we you can't underestimate the 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 fears, the needs, the insecurities, the the variables. So there's there's a lot to say about that, and very little time uh, to uh, to say it, I guess. But I for me, I'll just say the the human emphasis should exist within our internal teams, and it should be cultivated in interactions with faculty and students. And I think of this as a grounding our work in empathy is how I'm thinking of this.
1: Yeah, uh, totally agree. You know, I think back to sort of Michelle Pekansky Brock's uh humanize online learning mm-hmm. um work. And um I think this this is consistent with with you know her research and and what she has been promoting for so long.
0: Yeah, maybe we'll link to some some tweets that I've been kind of curating um on the show notes here. Like um I love, I don't know if you've seen all these, but the empathy-based principles in the revised Uh, Syllabi, like for instance, Professor Brandon Bain from University of North Carolina uh, has posted something like that. He he synthesized and put it out there and shared it in a Google Doc, and people have been applauding that. Like, you know, it's it's high-level stuff. Yeah, we're going to try to do our best with the course, but you know what? We're going to be gracious to each other. We're going to be we're going to do the best that we can. We're going to pay attention to each other. Those kind of that's wonderful. Uh, Kathy Davidson from Haystack, um, her comment that. The, the, the life skill of crisis survival is, is, is not to be underestimated, and maybe that's the biggest remote learning <laughs> principle there is. Uh, Josh Eiler's championing of honesty and vulnerability between faculty and students. Those kind of voices I have just really appreciated amidst all the other messages uh, that are floating around out there. Yeah, yeah, I, and I saw, I think you may
1: have seen the same message from a, one of our instructional designers forwarded from a faculty member who kind of shared her, her first experience, um, I think it was from Tuesday night, it was even before we were officially online, she held a, a class in a video conference format, live, synchronous, and she has, I want to say over 250 students in, in that particular class, and uh, about 100 showed up, and, and I don't think she did any instruction. It was mm-hmm. really just mm-hmm. listening to students and their yeah. anxiety yeah. and what they're dealing yeah. with, and she said some were crying and and some yeah. were worried about you know how they were going to make their rent, and and it was it it just really came, it struck home for me um, that this is this is bigger than making sure you get your paper in and take that test. Yes, so that that's you know part of it, but um, maybe shouldn't be the first part. There's a big petition going on right now uh, that. Mm-hmm not just at UCF, but at other schools yeah. that, um, it should be pass fail this semester. Yeah. yeah a lot I don't of know voices how I feel about that.
0: that.
1: Yeah. Uh, it actually makes a little sense to me. I don't know what mm-hmm. we will do if we will even respond to that, but, um, I get where it's coming
0: from. Yeah. Right. It comes from a good place. It comes from a good place. Yeah. Regardless, it underscores the importance of just fricking be human with each other, you know? Um, Beyond the immediate though, I guess as we get ready to put the landing gear down, beyond the immediate, we're going to all need to transition to helping all of our stakeholders at our respective institutions think through the longer-term needs here beyond the first two weeks or the first semester. What happens next semester? What happens beyond next semester? Uh, We're going to move and cope one step at a time, but we have to start planning and bringing people along Step by step, as well. Yeah,
1: and then for another for another day, I think there is a, a really rich conversation to be had about what this does mean for the future of um, yeah. of online learning in higher ed. Um, not those. Well, well, this will tell us once and for all if it's any good. Not, <laughs> I don't mean like that, but not I do like mean that. will no. will it will it you know shape it, or, and change its shape and morph into other areas and break down barriers in some places or push boundaries. I I don't know. It's very possible because everybody from Ivy Leagues to community college, every level of discipline and faculty, student is being exposed to it at some level right now. And um, I think it's interesting.
0: The same with the whole concept of remote work. Yeah. Will it change that, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, I've probably like uh, you and, and our listeners. I mean, there's I've seen uh, several articles that have already are predicting about every kind of crisis. Global glo- crisis leaves behind some kind of residue, some kind of change in the way that we do things. And there's been some predictions already, uh, and some of that has to do with um, you know uh, remoteness of one sort or another, remote work, delivery services, you know, all all that. Pro and con. It's really interesting. Yeah. Well, shall I try well, to maybe? Um, uh, yeah, please. That's land what this thing. Like to say. All right, there yep. you go. Um, I will. I will put a button on it this way. We are in the middle of widespread emergency remote teaching using online tools and techniques right now. The impact of this unprecedented—Are you sick and tired of that word "unprecedented"? <laughs> I have a better one. The impact of this unprecedented shared experience will likely be felt for years. Continuing to share successes and failures, though, will help us all to carry on productively. Would you agree? I agree. That's the plan. All right. Well, until next time, for TopCast, I'm Kelvin. And I'm Tom. See ya.